it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. If you're listening to Investing for Beginners, then you probably care about money and learning how to make a good relationship with your finances. Everyone's Talking Money is hosted by money wellness expert and certified financial planner, Shauna Game. Everyone's Talking Money focuses on relevant, inclusive, and forward-thinking conversations around money. Hear about the money topics you need to know, such as ways to train your brain to reach money goals, why you should ditch your budget and start tracking your cash, and everything you need to know about paying off student loans. Simple steps to start investing as a side hustle, ways to invest in rental real estate, how to overcome money trauma, and so much more. With over 900 episodes, there's a show for any and every money question you have. I'm a big fan of Shauna's as well. She has a relatable style and soothing voice that takes some of the stress surrounding money. Shauna really speaks to the listener and never ends in an episode without actionable tips. I recently listened to the episode, Stop Stressing Over Your Money, a simple budgeting solution, where she talks about her simple, easy one, two, three system for budgeting. It helped me a lot. Are you ready to learn everything about money that no one has taught you? Do yourself a favor and subscribe to Everyone's Talking Money podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Love this podcast because it crushes your dreams of getting rich quick. They actually got me into reading stats for anything. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Led by Andrew Sather and Dave Ahern. Step-by-step premium investing guidance for beginners. Your path to financial freedom starts now. Starts now. All right, folks, so welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. This is episode 174. Tonight, we have one of our favorite guests back for us, another show. We have Braden Dennis from Stratosphere Investing and the Canadian Investor, uh, the top podcast, investing podcast in Canada, I believe. And it is fantastic, by the way. A little side note, if you've not checked it out, you need to check it out. It's great stuff. Uh, he and Simon are fantastic. So I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Andrew and Braden, and we'll go ahead and have our little conversation tonight. So Braden, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Dave. And I appreciate the kind words. You're yeah, good to have you on again, Braden. I figure we just get right to it. So you sent us uh, a, a cool framework that you are basically describing some of the things you like to look for with stocks and you called it stratosphere compounders, a lot of different good elements in there. Um, so maybe kind of describe that for a high level and, and there's some good stuff in there that we can talk about. Yeah. So that this framework that I made a couple of months ago was basically almost a stock checklist and all kind of notes I had put down on a document, but I wanted to make it into a graphic that was easy to understand, 
not only for people who are interested, but for myself to wrap around what I think is a good long-term compounder. And going back to basics, and sometimes you got to bring yourself back to basics when it comes to investing, is ultimately you are seeking to find companies that will be much stronger, more profitable, have a wider moat, and be more important in the future. And this is a framework to identify what those businesses are and the characteristics that they have. So just just quickly, the elements that are, are consistent in a lot of these businesses is they're typically a leader or a disruptor in a secular growth trend. And we can talk about what some of those growth trends are right now, uh, later. They have superior reinvestment opportunity. And this is typically quite easy to figure out by just looking at their 10-year median return on invested capital. And, and if it's a other type of business, like a bank, return on equity will do as well. Um, I'd like to see some proven top-line growth of both revenue and free cash. This is consistent, proven top line that not only is potentially stable, but accelerating from here. That's that's what I like to see. I try to pay a fair price relative to those qualities of growth. At the end of the day, valuation does matter. The starting multiple you pay today does matter. I'm looking for strong, durable pricing power. So this business, I don't want it to be commoditized. I get lots of questions about buying really cheap oil and gas stocks all the time. And I just ask people, what would you rather have? A business that gets to decide its prices or the market that they operate in gets to decide those prices for them? And then they have a conservative capital structure. Um, so on their balance sheet, do they have a good amount of cash? Do they you know, have a reasonable amount of debt? And can, can they use that debt for growth? So just looking at their balance sheet, nothing too or has gone awry. There's some other qualities that I'm looking for that are kind of nice to have, but not, not necessary. So I really like founder-led operated businesses. And if it's not founder-led, I like to see that the CEO has been there for a while and has a, has a proven track record. Capital light is nice with high gross margins. Um, if it's capital light, you're going to find that revenue flows down to free cash better. If they have network effects, and this is also really important, easily understood. If you can't explain what the business is very, very easily, you either don't have a good idea of what that business is, or it could be out of your circle of competence, and that's okay. I don't well thoroughly understand every publicly traded company. No one does. So it's okay that you don't understand every business. Just operate with what you understand and I think you'll do well. And then additionally, I like to buy companies that are what I consider a bottleneck business, which is actually a concept that I uh, took from Chuck Aker, who is uh, this chief investment officer and founder of Aker Capital Management. He's a really, really smart guy and you can, you can find him online and he talks about bottleneck businesses and uh, it's a concept that really makes sense to me. Let's talk about that because I haven't heard of a bottleneck business before. When I think of a bottleneck, I think of like um, 
those glass Coca-Cola bottles. And so uh, I don't know what, what that refers to, but it sounds interesting. So break that down for us. Yeah, sure. So what people typically say when they run into a problem in the corporate world, they, they say, oh, they run into some bottleneck or it typically just means that things are funneled through it, but it's a, but it's a pain point. You're going from a wider diameter to a smaller diameter. Um, and it feeds through, through there. So there's two things that Chuck Aker describes the bottleneck business. I'm giving him credit because I totally am borrowing this concept from him. And once you hear it, I think you'll understand that it makes a lot of sense. So there's two things that happen with a bottleneck business that demonstrates that it has competitive advantages. When I say competitive advantages, some people call it a moat. All it means is that this company has characteristics that will let it succeed against competitors for a long period of time. Um, so what is their edge is another way to say it. So bottleneck businesses are given opportunities because of their uh, strong position in their secular trend that they're a part of. And I'm going to give an example of these two things, uh, these two qualities in a second. And then the other thing about bottleneck businesses is in their value chain, their value chain, if they go away, it's very, very difficult to replace the same. It's very difficult to replace them and achieve the same result. So let's give an example here. You guys know I love the payments companies. So let's look at Visa or MasterCard here. They're given opportunities because of the secular trend of digital payments. So as a new business emerges and they take digital payments, which is part of a very large global secular trend, or if a company is innovating within financial technology, they ultimately, Visa and MasterCard, are being given opportunities for growth and they didn't even have to invest in it. So that's why you see 10-year median on MasterCard's free cash flow margin is 40% which is, by the way, insane, and you won't find that number anywhere else in the stock market. So they're, you're getting opportunities without even having to invest in them. So that's important. And then in their value chain, if these payments companies were to go away, it would be very, very difficult for most of the world to do business these days. So they're a bottleneck in the fact that you can't achieve the same result of accepting payments or or doing business between a merchant and a consumer. That value chain is broken without them. And that's that's why they have such a competitive advantage. So that's that's kind of a, a lowdown on on what a bottleneck business is. That that does make a lot of sense. Do you find that most of the companies that are like a bottleneck characteristic tend to be in the B2B space. And, you know, I'm just saying this without putting much thought, but I just thought I'd throw it out there. You know, I think of consumers as kind of being maybe more particular about how they spend money. You know, they'll, they'll spend money based on interests or pleasures or, you know, things that they prefer where maybe businesses will spend money to solve a pain point. And so do you see that or am I just not thinking of customer pain points that would work as bottleneck business models? No, that's actually a very good point. A lot of them are B2B. 
whether directly being known as a business to business model, but typically, yeah, in, in, in these examples, it would be very, very difficult or have massive switching costs for a company to switch providers. In this case, where the example used was, was payments, it'd be very, very difficult for them to switch that. But Additionally, a company like Google, which I think is a bottleneck business, is the relationship between consumers and businesses of finding them on Google. Like they say, if you if you're not on the first page of Google, your business is dead, right? Or they hide the th- the bodies on the third page of Google. That's an interaction between you know B to C. Even though Google does a lot of B to B business as well, so but th- that is a good example, um, there are high, high switching costs in bottleneck businesses. And typically that is B2B. I guess on the flip side too, I think of a company like Nike, where if you play basketball, even like pick up basketball and you're looking for some basketball shoes, I feel like Nike would be hard to replace. So that would be a pain point if they went away. And so maybe those type of businesses that are bottleneck to the consumer would have that feature and make them, you know, into this category like like you said with the other good examples like Google and Visa and some of those other ones. Yeah, totally. And, and people who are sneakerheads, the, they would think that the world just collapsed and exploded if Nike was to go away. So that speaks to the brand power. I don't see a consumer goods business like that having true, very high switching costs because the consumer does have so much optionality. But again, (laughs) Nike's brand power has shown that it's a very compelling business for a long time to come. What about Apple? How How do they fit into that idea? Yeah, Apple's an interesting business because... It wasn't that long ago that it traded at about 12 times earnings. It was 90 bucks. This is pre-split. And uh, I, I was looking at it one day and I, I just I thought, this is, this is just way too cheap, right? And what happened was, is the market recognized that they had made a massive pivot to not only being a dominant player in the smartphone business, which is tech hardware, which by the way, the mar- the multiples applied to tech ha- hardware are much smaller. So that's why it traded in the, the realm of about 12 times earnings. The market recognized that, wow, this is actually a tech services business. And the app store taking on such a large revenue share of every single business that operates within their ecosystem. So all of a sudden, you see this huge multiple expansion, and what seems like a few months, Apple went from one trillion to two trillion in market cap because of that multiple expansion and the obscene amounts of cash flow that they spin off. And if you don't play within the sandbox of Apple, you're not going to have a very good time. You're seeing Epic Games have this dispute with the, the margins that they take on revenue for their games. And and a whole laundry list of companies are not too fond of of Apple doing that. I mean, Spotify loses money to Apple, and you know what did Apple really do for them? 
Well, they provided the ecosystem for them and they have those network effects where if you don't want to play in their sandbox, well, it's, it's you're going to have a bad time. So Apple is, you know, if by definition, perhaps a bottleneck business. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before Nerd Wallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card worth more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money, not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. Yeah, that was a good example, Dave. Thanks. Kind of to to pivot off of this, I I thought what you said was also interesting about one of the desired qualities was opportunity for both organic and acquisition driven growth. And so, you know, I'm I'm interested in the the acquisition strategy. Is there something that you look for in a business that tells you that that they have a good strategy in place and are there you know, any consolidators or anything like that in certain secular trends that, that you're seeing? Like, are there industries that are working towards that? Because some some industries, you know, might grow without consolidation and, and without these bigger companies eating the smaller companies where some won't. And um, I think it'd be interesting to get your take on on if you see any markets like that and, and what you would look for that, that would tell you that, okay, I, I like this situation. 
Yeah, good point. And I realizing that I actually skipped over that bullet point when I was talking about some of the desired qualities. But yes, I, I, I'm looking for businesses that can grow the top line organically and through acquisitions if it makes sense for them. Um, but it's not always treated equally. I am not a exclusive technology investor. I like to try to find value wherever it may present itself. However, when it comes to consolidators, I almost exclusively like software as a service consolidators. And the reason for that is because they there's a, there's a whole massive ecosystem of very niche software as a service, business to business companies that are private that are ripe for opportunity where entrepreneurs are looking to make exits. They're very profitable, have very nice margins, and they are very, very sticky. When we were talking before, like business to business, software as a service is very bottleneck in nature, high switching costs, competitive advantages. It's niche enough that the big tech won't go for it. So there are some consolidators that have been tremendous performers inside of this, uh, inside of tech because not only for those reasons that I'm mentioning, but they actually have integrations with each other that make sense. A lot of companies that are growth by acquisition by these companies, there's huge, huge costs to integrate them and, and, and put them into the system. But with tech, that's just usually not the case. There can be instant benefits from day one of the acquisition being part of the, the broader, broader offering. I mean, the big tech giants, Microsoft, for instance, has made tons of tactical acquisitions along the way that grow their offering. Um, for instance, Skype was an acquisition way back when, and although Skype kind of blew a 10 year lead to zoom, the Microsoft teams application is very compelling. So there's lots of big tech companies that have made acquisitions and instantly brought it into their offering and creates value. So there are very, very compelling software as a service consolidators, especially in the niche area. I can give you two examples. So Constellation Software, which actually only trades on the Toronto Stock Exchange for Canadian investors. However, it is probably the only business that if I was an American, I would actually buy in Canadian dollars on the TSX. It has been an 80 bagger since IPO. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't uh, misspell that. 80 bagger since IPO. An unbelievable compounder, a very smart management team headed up by Mark Leonard here in Toronto. Um, and they've done this. They own over a hundred companies of niche software, business to business all over the world that generate cash flow and then rinse and repeat. So you have to study the management team with these businesses and do a little bit of extra work, but, uh, they can, they can reward shareholders. A very, very similar business model on the, the NYSE is called Roper Technologies. It's about 45 billion in market cap. So it's not a small business at all. And they do a very similar thing. You know, they own about 45 software businesses. It's a roll up strategy, but they look for businesses that are achieving both organic 
uh, growth inside of their system. And then they're making obviously acquisition growth on the top line as well. So I'm not opposed to uh, roll up strategies. Some people are, uh, they are on a more case by case scenario, but they've done exceptional for shareholders. Real quick. What's, what do you, what's a roll up strategy? Just a consolidator. Uh, uh, it's, it's a company that's looking through different vertical markets like those two two I just mentioned, like a Roper Technologies. They're just rolling up the industry. It, they're consolidating it. It's it's basically a synonym. What's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's ebook for free at stockmarketpdf.com. Yeah, and I guess, you know, to to bring it into the non-tech world, an example of this would be a company like Coca-Cola who would acquire a um any drink brand. I don't know if it was Pepsi or Coca-Cola who who acquired the energy drinks. Um but you know, bringing that into the portfolio and then using Coca-Cola's massive distribution system to just plug in another product that already has a strong brand that's already doing well and because Coca-Cola has built this distribution, the effects of kind of combining those two great things can create a lot of revenues, profits, free cash flow, all the things that investors like to see. And so obviously that can apply to tech and that can apply to things outside of tech. And I think it's it's definitely worth worth looking around for. That I like you brought that up because that's an amazing example. Um, and you're right. It's because distribution is king. That's Coca-Cola's competitive advantage is their distribution is unlike any other company on the planet for a physical product. So tech can do this very nicely because they have that distribution. Like a Microsoft, people are already on that subscription so they can distribute it and serve it up to their customers immediately. Coca-Cola, when it comes to physical products like their drinks, distribution is king. So that brand that they're purchasing might be worth a lot more in Coca-Cola's portfolio than whoever they were held privately with before because of that distribution channel. So that's where they can generate a lot of value. Yeah, I love it. Are there any other secular trends that we should be aware of? I guess well, yeah, we didn't intend to do this, but we've been talking pretty much tech all day. So might as well throw in any other tech trends that, that we should be thinking of. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple... I'll I'll spin it off here and say that a direct to consumer is a very very interesting secular trend. But I'm going to talk about two names that are not the direct to consumer that you're thinking of. People think of you know D to C as you know this e-commerce explosion, the Shopify and Amazons of the world. But another company like Teladoc Health is bringing healthcare direct to consumer online. Teladoc ticker TDoc is a very interesting business. My co-host of my podcast, The Canadian Investor, has been a long-term shareholder of this and it has been a 10-bagger probably twice already for them. And it is bringing health right to the consumer, direct to consumer. And they just made on a really impressive $18 billion acquisition for chronic care and these other kinds of offerings that they can put into their suite of of, of offerings. And then another company, like we talked about before, Nike, direct-to-consumer, their e-commerce sales 
saw like double growth in two quarters in a row. So not only was the COVID pandemic bringing forward some of that acceleration, but if you go on to Nike's site and you go on the direct to consumer experience, it's really, really nice. And this is not a new thing. They were investing in this, you know, many, many years back. So one of this, one of the trends I'm seeing is that companies who invested in this, uh, new economy early are really, really thriving because this pandemic, all it really did was bring forward a massive acceleration of about five or six years, expert think, in a lot of these digital trends that were already happening. They just, over in, in, in two months, six years went by in terms of the consumer's uh, readiness to adopt some of these new technologies. Uh, digital payments. I mean, is there a secular trend I like more than digital payments? Probably not. So Visa, MasterCard, Square, PayPal, Aiden, which is a, a European traded stock, very similar to a company like Stripe, which is still private that I, I, I tweet them all the time asking them to go public. They probably don't <laughs> read it. That's okay. Um, really, really strong trend. Digital payments is is the future. Cash is dead. That was already happening, but now it's kind of being forced upon us. And uh, you know, it, shareholders of those companies will do well. There's no doubt about it. Now, what I I would did want to talk about one thing, which is very interesting for for listeners who might not be familiar with these names because they are international businesses. Is there are three names: Mercado Libre ticker M-E-L-I, Tencent, the Chinese massive $700 billion company, ticker T-C-E-H-Y, which trades over the counter, and then C-Limited, ticker S-E. They do gaming, payments, cloud, um, and social ads in uh, Mercado Libres in South America, Tencent in China and Southeast, and C-Limited is the rest of Southeast Asia. And they're basically leaders in all three of those uh, secular trends in their respective geography. And uh, go check a chart of any of them. Oh, God, it's been uh, nice to be a shareholder of them. I have been uh, sitting on the sidelines and kicking myself for it. (laughs) And, you know, you wonder if because they're in those developing countries, if they have less to fear about say like antitrust regulations like a company might run across in more western countries um so in theory maybe they could grow a lot more than you know and who knows what other businesses they could they could um start to swallow too as as they just continue to shroom in size yeah tencent is a very interesting business and a lot of people don't want to invest because well, it's Chinese company and uh, it is very tied to the Chinese state. Um, let's not kid ourselves. But something that's very, very interesting is they have a payments business that rivals the size of PayPal. They have subscriptions of video and music that rivals the size of Netflix. Their gaming uh, gaming business is bigger than a lot of uh, the big gaming companies combined. It's about double the size of Nintendo. 
They have a cloud business that's about this 10% of the size of Amazon Web Services. They have social ads. Um, that's about 10% of Facebook. They operate the largest app store by daily active users in the world. And they have, they have WeChat, the number one used app in the world. Or that's definitely in China, maybe not in the world, but given how many people there are, you know, <laughs> there's a chance. They are operating in all these spaces. And it's just, you look at, you look at a company like this and you just go, there's no way that it's not bigger, much bigger than it already is in 10 years. So, I mean, these growth rates are very hard to assume and to guess. Yesterday, the company Fastly, which does a lot of uh, data, it's, I'm not even going to get into the business because I don't want to bore you, but they were trading at 35 times sales. They dropped 20% yesterday because they missed revenue a little bit, even though revenue is still up insanely from the previous quarter. These super, super high price to sales ratios are through the roof, you know, 35 times sales becoming the norm for these high tech growth companies. And if you miss just a little bit, the market beats you up for it. So having these secular trends behind you on your back is even if they miss just a little bit, like I said, with the bottleneck business is they're being given an unproportionate amount of opportunities because of the businesses that they're in and the sectors that they're pursuing uh, and the talent that they've retained, that that is built in to your assumption, into your growth assumption, is that margin of safety that even if the business doesn't execute as I expect, the total addressable market that they're in, that big pie that they're looking to take market share from is growing at such a significant rate that there's a margin of safety built into them by you know by being in the spaces that they're in. So this is a thing that I think about all the time these days. I'm glad you brought that up and maybe it'd be a good way to close. I'm wondering, you know, you talked about a lot of wonderful businesses. Is there a price is a price is there a price that's too high for any of them? You know, you mentioned price to sales, you mentioned margin of safety. Um, when you're looking at a business that you believe is a bottleneck, um, it's it's just got all these great secular trends behind it, and it's just businesses like you, you'll never see. Is there ever too expensive a price for them? Yeah, there there is, and it's hard to determine what that upper limit is, and that's why I say in my framework is try to pay a decent price. It wasn't until Warren Buffett met Charlie Munger that he really changed his investment framework at Berkshire Hathaway when he started working with Charlie Munger was you don't have to buy really, really cheap businesses. You have to buy the highest quality of businesses and you got to pay up a little bit for the quality. Now, that doesn't mean go run and buy 50 times sales businesses and you can find them everywhere. So you don't have to look very hard. You don't have to go run and buy those businesses. But what you, what you should consider is paying a premium for quality because long-term, that's the kind of companies that you want to own. So what I will say to people is try to pay a decent price. 
do your best, you know, pay a fair price, but don't ever buy a crappy, crummy quality business because it's cheap. That hasn't worked. It, it never has worked. And it, and it only works if you are timing a trade by exiting at a correct time. I'm looking to buy and hold these businesses and they can compound on themselves for me. And, and that's basically what, what I do is I, I find these good businesses. I try to pay a decent price and then I do absolutely nothing. Yeah, that's, that's the goal, I believe. So let the, let the earnings compound, let the dividends compound and let your returns compound. So, you know, obviously you're all over the place on the web. You mentioned Twitter. Obviously we know you have a podcast. Where can people find out more about what you're doing, what you got going on? Maybe if they're interested in this framework that you presented, give us a scoop here. Yeah, sure thing. So uh, I recently launched a new software offering that people can search up any business in the world. There's a stock screener inside of that looking up any business in the world. You can find financials ten on a 10-year basis. You can graph them. You can export them to Excel. You can see what insiders are doing, buying or selling stock. You can see analyst reports. You can see their dividend history. You can see how they compare to uh, other competitors in their industry. And that's all available at stratosphereinvesting.com. But if you don't know how to spell that, I can't blame you. The URL, getstockmarket.com will bring you to my site. Uh, there's a there's a free trial. You don't have to bring a credit card or anything. You can you can try out all the software. And I also post my research on there as well. So getstockmarket.com you can you can find me. And then I am on a uh, weekly podcast called the Canadian Investor. Canadian investors uh, typically like it, but if if you, if, you, if it's not for you, we're talking about a lot of Canadian stocks sometimes. I totally get that. So you mentioned, you know, it's a it's a software software offering. So why don't you just make it software as a service and, and maybe you go public? <laughs> if I go public, uh, I'll say it's a cloud software as a service. They're going to slap on a nice 35 times sales multiple on me and I will be a very rich man. I like that idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> it's a great idea. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, but seriously, it's 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 been really fun to uh, to to build out that software and just build the build the product that I want when I'm looking to do research about a certain company. I put everything in there that I I would care about and look for in a product, um, and so that's that's what it is. Yeah, I, I did sign up for your trial, and I like the aesthetics of it are really nice. You know, you you put some some good work into the the visuals and the graphs and everything. And it, it looks really nice. Yeah. Thanks for saying so. Dave, have you tried it out yet? I did. I actually, I tried it out today. Andrew uh, and I were talking about it the other day and he sent me a link. And so I checked it out and I have to echo uh, Andrew's comments. Uh, it was, it was cool. It was, there was a lot of cool stuff on there and uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to go back and dig on it some more after we get off the podcast tonight. So <laughs> I'll, I'll give you yeah, some more. You <laughs> feedback <laughs> later thanks, but yeah i like it man. you're welcome yeah so you can you can find me there at, at those places i am on on twitter uh bredo capital uh, on twitter i have about 36 followers so whoever wants to be the 37th that would be much appreciated <laughs> <laughs>
All right, folks. Well, that is going to wrap up our conversation for this evening with Braden. Uh, Braden, I wanted to thank you again for taking time out of your busy day to come talk to us. And uh, it was a very interesting conversation. I actually learned quite a bit today. So I appreciate you sharing your your knowledge and your wealth and uh, continue all, all the great stuff you're doing. So without any further ado, we're going to go ahead and sign us off, go out there and invest with a margin of safety, emphasis on the safety. Have a great week. and We'll talk to you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.